Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much for popping on. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Also, I'm on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search DeHuff Uncensored. And again, hit that subscribe button. Uh, a very interesting show today. We're going to discuss, well, we're kind of going to rehash this interview I just had with Shout Out Colorado Magazine. And there's just a lot of content in here that you guys seem to always be sending me messages be like, can you elaborate more and more on all this stuff? So I'm like, oh, you know what? I just did this interview. I kind of teased this before, but they really kind of dug deep into how I've evolved and how this podcast came to be. And it's really kind of interesting. So we're just going to go through this. And it, it is the more I think about it, the more I remember. And there are so many people that have been in involved in my career, it, it's insane. When you think about, you know, prior to radio, I've, I've discussed that a lot with the restaurant industry. But also when I think about uh, the radio industry, just with, with the enormous amount of talent that I've worked with, whether it's Alfred Williams, Scott Hastings, Mark Schlereth, Mike Evans, of course, and so many other people, Sandy Clough, I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. But before all that, there was so much that was involved in creating me and me being comfortable with what I'm doing. So they started off with, Scott, how has your background shaped the person you are today? And I said, well, thanks, shout out Colorado Magazine. It's actactually kind of funny how they do this. They're just pre-generic you know, generic questions and then you just have to pick which ones you want and this is what I just picked <laughs> so so I'll tell you guys I moved around a lot as a kid but I've always been essentially here in Colorado I was born in Arizona lived there for about a month and then my mom and dad moved out here due to my dad finding a job with I want to say PepsiCo or something like that so we moved here in Colorado and I've been here ever since so I've only been you know, out of Colorado as far as living for a month of my life. And the majority of my childhood was in the great city of Broomfield, Colorado. That's if somebody says, where'd you grow up? I, I will always say Broomfield. And, and it's just a great city. I love Broomfield. A lot of my friends are still there or their family members are still there. It's just a great city. And I, I like Broomfield. And it's funny because we did move around a lot and partly was before my dad passed away. It was because my dad was, you know, he would change jobs And back in the day. I mean, he was a very well-educated individual, so he'd just find new jobs doing different things so he could support his family. And, you know, he didn't mind and, and they would just up and move around. And then <clears throat> once he got to, Colorado, that's essentially where we ended up just staying. But there was times where after he died, due to the people that were involved in his death, and they were threatening my mom as well as us, that we had to move around, including some houses that didn't, were essentially off the books, <clears throat> according to what I've been told. At one time, they did want us to change our last name, but my mom refused because she felt that that would be disrespectful to my father, and she felt that we could get through this, and we did. So fuck those guys, okay? Fuck them. <laughs> anyway, there was a point in time where somebody tried to run over a police officer in, in our front yard when they were helping us move out of the house, and they never got the guy. It's fucking crazy. Crazy shit that happened to us when we were little. But anyway, we made it through. There's all this like craziness that happened to us as a kid. I remember my brother and I sleeping on uh, in the living room because we were scared of the basement because we thought there was ghosts down there. And then one morning we wake up and my mom had bought an alarm to go on the front door. So if you open the door, it'd just be like beep, 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 beep. It's very generic uh, alarm, but it worked well. And basically we wake up, my brother and I wake up and the door's wide open. Our dog is just like growling like a motherfucker. And then eventually the police show up because somebody tried to break in. Crazy, crazy shit. Anyway, all that craziness really kind of 
started forming who I am. When I was a kid, I didn't, after my dad died, I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I was just really quiet and shy. So what I would do is I would talk to myself. And that's where I started developing my voices. I would hide under the table and just be different characters, whether it was, you know, my stuffed animals or action figures. I think at one time we had some He-Man toys and whatnot. And I would just be the different character voices to the point where there was a time where my mom got freaked out because she's just like, I thought there was somebody in the house. So you mix in all this like chaos that's going on around us. So then all of a sudden my mom comes into the living room. She's like, oh my God, there's somebody in the house. I hear another voice. But it was just me under the table going, I'm He-Man. I'm going to kick your ass. Hey, fuck you. I'm Skeletor. <laughs> and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> Anyway, so she that's like what I would do. But when I would go to school, I just like you would see the old report cards. I told you this before where it always say, Scott, you know, good grades, but he, he just doesn't talk to anybody. And that was just me. So as I grew up, there was a lot of things that I would do. My older brother, Chris, was a huge influence on me. He and I went through a lot of similar struggles, but he took on the leadership role. And as I wrote in the shout out Colorado magazine is why did he take the leadership role? Because somebody had to. And honestly, this is something that I carry with me to this day is sometimes you need to follow in life and sometimes you need to take the lead. You have to evaluate the situation. Am I able to lead? Do I need to lead or should I follow? Because that's in the best interest of the situation. There's nothing wrong with leading. There's nothing wrong with following. Sometimes you just got to know what your role is and you need to embrace that and be the best at it. And that's what I kind of took away with a lot of situations in my life growing up is it's okay to follow. It's okay to be a leader. And there's plenty of times where all of a sudden where I don't really want to be the leader, but nobody else is stepping up. So guess what? I got to lead the way. And it's, a, it's funny, that happens more often than not. And that's fine. Just dominate it. Dominate at it, and, and you'll be good. Be the best that you can be, whether it's a leader or a follower. You know, my brother had a lot of demons to battle as well, but he helped guide me in the right directions, including encouraging a strong work, work ethic. He worked in restaurants as, as well. He continues to work in restaurants and is continuing to be successful. I was just talking to him the other day. He has a lot of big things on the horizon that are going to happen very soon. And I'm extremely proud of my brother because he has fought and clawed. And just like so many other small businesses out there, we're very much impacted by COVID. He's in Sydney, Australia, and they're still dealing with a lot of shit. Everybody was blindsided by it, and it's just not everybody made it through. And as of right now, it looks like he's, he's going to make it. It is a very, very tough thing to deal with. We just heard the other day from Colin Cowherd talking about, you know, you, to kind of relate this to sports, is in business and in sports, it's the same thing. He was talking about how the Broncos are in the AFC West division, which is a very strong division, and that's actually a good thing because it's going to make them harder. It's going to make them stronger. And if, if you're a business that has been impacted severely by COVID, which so many have, and if somehow you're able to squeak through and survive, you are going to be better for it. It sucks right now, and it sucked back then when you're in the – in the thick of it. But if somehow you're able to survive, you will be better for it. And it's easy for me to say that from this position, but I believe you will make it through and you will be better for it. It will suck. It still probably sucks right now, but you will be better for it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, you make it through. And if you didn't, I'm sure even even though you, maybe you didn't survive because of COVID, as far as your business goes, maybe you can learn from that and create a new business. It's not over. You know, fuck COVID. You can, you can rebuild and do something different. 
Maybe you can rebuild and do the same thing. Who knows? Just like, you know, you got to learn from your mistakes and learn from chaos. So we had our own. Uh, so eventually my mom remarried to my stepdad, Eric, which we had on episode 43, I believe, where he talked about the fall of Saigon and how he was on the USS Kirk and how they were one of the key factors in helping rescue thousands and thousands of refugees from Vietnam and the amazing stories of how they had to push hundreds and hundreds of helicopters into the sea in order to make room for all these refugees. And he was kind enough to share with us some of the pictures. In one of the pictures I used as, um, I think I put it on as the... The, the thumbnail for it. If not, I can go back and change it. But it's this little kid sticking his, you know, head and elbow out of the porthole of one of the ships. And it's just like that kind of sums it up. You know, you, you kind of forget, you know, you think about the adults and stuff like that, but there's so many kids that are, you know, in the middle of this and they don't know what the fuck's going on. So it was really neat to talk to him. But anyway, so that was my stepdad when my mom remarried. So she, my dad passed away in 84. She ended up meeting him in like 86. And then, you know, they, you know, they've been together ever since. So, but what was funny is my brother and I used to steal my stepdad's VHS video recorder. I don't know what they call it, camcorder or whatever. But we used to make fake commercials and fake TV shows. And that's like where our, my creative juices really started to develop. And it was really weird because... We would do like videos of, uh, of cops and other random videos. Uh, there's one. I, I, there's just so many crazy. I wish I could find some of these old videos because we probably cringe. But that's where it started is just like we'd see something on TV and be like, we should recreate that and do it, do it our own spin on it, the DeHuff spin on it. And we would do that. And that's where it started to develop and be like, oh, we can do creative things. And he was right there by my side encouraging it, and I learned a lot from him. So that's kind of where – the ironic thing is that's what I ended up doing for a career. You know, fast forward however many years when I got into radio and doing videos. I was one of the first people in the Denver media that was doing videos. And, and still, right before I left, there's still times where I think a lot of program directors and higher-ups just still don't fully compute – on how powerful videos are nowadays. And it's like I was doing videos back in the early 2000s when I did one that was because um, I had the swine flu. If you go to YouTube and search swine flu diaries and then just type DeHuff, that'll pop up. I reposted it because I, I kind of modified something at the beginning or something like that. But I want to say that happened in what was the swine flu? It was like 2009, something like that. I don't know. But either way, that was like the first big video. And I remember seeing Vic Lombardi, of all people, at Mile High Stadium. I'm in the press box. I just got over being sick with the swine flu. And I'm at the urinal. And Vic tries to shake my hand while I'm at the urinal. He's like, dude, I saw your video. Hilarious. And that was kind of the first thing because nobody had really done those things, at least not in Denver media. So it was just one of those things that I, that, that's just something that my brother and I used to do. We used to make silly videos. And it's fun for me because there's always a million videos running through my head. But it's a matter of do I have the time and energy to do them? And most of the time I don't. So they just fall to the wayside. So it's, it's, it's fun to do those things, but it all started with my brother and I goofing around trying to mimic these shows. And we, like I said, we used to do cops. We used to put like a flashlight on top of the the um, the camcorder, or and then the other person would who, we'd get the neighbor involved, Cameron, and we'd just run around in like flash flashlights. And then somebody probably get hurt by the end of it because somebody took it a little too far. <laughs> it was just fun, but that's what we used to do. And that's what taught me early on that you can make entertaining elements despite having little to no budget. You don't look at TikTok. You don't need a budget 
to make a good video. You can make some entertaining shit regardless. I think it's funny when people over-purchase over video equipment. My cell phone takes great video, great video, to the point where I've had multiple media outlets contact me off the record and say, who do you have? you know, making your videos and, and who, what kind of equipment do you have? And they're always shocked when I say it's my cell phone and I'm doing it on my own via apps. <laughs> they're like, what? Really? Yeah. You don't, sometimes people, companies overthink shit. Don't overthink shit. Ah, uh, so, and, and it's funny because I've talked about my early jobs working at a grocery store in the restaurant industries and, and those really kind of helped start to build the foundation of work ethic. Uh, I remember uh, one of my first managers in at Safeway, Leon Baca, I remember him just, we had a union, so it was really hard to fire people. And if it was up to him, he probably would have fired me from the get-go because at, at the beginning, I just didn't want to fucking do anything. I was 16 years old. I didn't really want to fucking work there. My mom made me work there. But what he said, he, he's like, do you not know how to mop? I'm like, no, I don't know how to mop. And he's like, let me show you. This is what he's like, you know, and he, I'm sure he had some uh, strong words for me, but he was just like, listen, I learned how to do this when I was in the Navy, and I'm going to show you now. So he showed me the proper way to mop, which seems simple enough, but a lot of people don't know how to mop. So he taught me how to mop. He taught me how to do a lot of things. Always try, you can't be leaning. My brother used to teach me when he was a manager. Uh, with me is that if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. There's always something to be done. And that doesn't matter what industry you're in. You really, if you got time to relax, there's probably, it's fine to relax every now and then, yes. But most of the time, if you got time to lean, there's something else you got to be doing. So if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. Especially in the restaurant industry, you learn that quickly is because like you get hit with a dinner rush, you get hit with a lunch rush, something like that. You don't sit there and just go, oh, that was a busy time. You should be like, nope. As soon as you get time, you got to go out to the lobby, start wiping things down, start cleaning things up, start restocking the straws, the napkins, the silverware, etc. Wiping down the you know soda machine, all that stuff. You got to. There's always something to be done. Make sure the cooks are, you know, restocking up, getting ready for the next rush, whatever it might be. So there, that's one of those things that I've learned. And, and for me, as somebody that's doing something on my own is with the Huff Uncensored podcast, these are all things that help build the foundation of this. Whether I realized it at the time or not, which most likely I, I didn't, is like there's always something be, to be done with the podcast. I'm always doing the videos as far as trying to promote it. And it's funny, I was talking to Nate Lundy over at Mile High Sports, and he's like, dude, you're always promoting the podcast. He's like, I love it. Not everybody does that. Most people don't. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I need to make sure that it's out there. My father-in-law, Tim, who's a battalion chief, who's going to have his final call here shortly here for North Metro, which I'm very proud of him. He's about to retire, so that's pretty cool. He told me like two days after I quit 104.3 The Fan. And it was just this, this moment between him and I. And after we talked about why I left in order to spend more time with the family and how I wanted to go part-time, but they just didn't see it that way to be a benefit for the company. And he says to me, he's like, you need to make sure people don't forget about you. And he said it more elegantly than I just said it right there. But he's like, you can't let people forget about you. You need to bounce back quickly. Because, you know, people will forget. So I'm like, shit, he's right. And part of that was we, brain, my wife Brandy and I were already thinking about, well, we gotta, we're going to start the podcast or I'm going to start the podcast. So with him saying that, I'm like, oh, shit. And that's probably why a lot of times when you, if you follow me on social media i'm always trying to put something out there because you do have to re remind people and you also got to remember in social media you don't always see the same things so if i tweet something out at say 10 o'clock in the morning 
and you pop on at 10.30, there's a good chance you won't see what I tweeted at 10 o'clock. It's just the way it works. So that's why I'm always trying to put something out there. I'll be retweeting my shit all the time. Or on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. And it's, it's, and a lot of those other, like TikTok and stuff, I'm still trying to, uh, I see some of the stuff that's viral and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, I probably need to bend a little bit more. A lot of that social media stuff is, I'm still learning as I go with a lot of it. But to kind of just wrap things up on that, just like I, I learned a lot by working in the restaurant, working in grocery stores from a lot of different people. And ultimately, in order to have a successful business, you have to work at it. You have to constantly be doing your business. You have to eat, breathe, and shit your business. You have to if you want to succeed. Whatever your business is, that's what you have to do. So, you know, it's funny because one of my biggest influences was my brother and working with him, especially like when we worked at Quiznos together, we opened the store off of Conestoga, I think off of 55th in Arapahoe is what it is, something like that. Uh, there's a Quiznos over there, at least there was in Boulder. And we opened that store, we helped design it, especially my brother more than me. But working there, and it was one of the busiest locations in the, in the company, Setting aside DIA, which is a madhouse, I learned that you need to be detailed. You need to focus on details in order to be successful. Success is not sloppy. It's filled with the details. And those details need to be polished and organized. There's no room for doing a half-assed job if you want to be successful. Make that a t-shirt. You're welcome. <laughs> So yeah, there's a, a lot of what I did prior to radio is what helped me develop into what I what, what I've become. And once I did get into radio and started, you know, working with these great people like at the fan because that was my first job. I might I I remember being in I went to broadcasting school. I was an intern at KYGO. My first internship was at Try, Try 102 and K99 up in Windsor. Great people up there. They let me do so much. And I was god-awful at it. But I learned, and they let me do it, and they knew that I was going to make mistakes. And it was awesome. I learned so much. And, and anybody out there that's wanting to get into um, you know, the radio industry or TV industry, I suggest, especially when you get an internship, go to a small market because they let you do, or at least they did. Uh, I don't know if they still do, but they let me do so much. I did promotions. They let me be an engineer as far as for remotes. So I learned how to set up broadcasting equipment. That was my first day. They're like, okay, show up on Saturday by nine o'clock and the keys are here, blah, blah, blah. Meet Brian over here, blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, okay, shit, my first day. And then they showed me how to set up the equipment. I was like, this is fucking awesome. They taught me how to edit commercials, a whole bunch of stuff. It was fun. And, and, and when you're learning something that you enjoy, oh, it, it was just great. So I suggest if you're getting into broadcasting, try to get an internship at a smaller place because they let you do usually do more. Then I transferred from up north down to KYGO because I always dreamed of being on KYGO. So what, what was my only option at KYGO? I ended up being a, an intern for promotions and at the time, I knew jack shit when it came to computers. So I remember Garrett Dahl was my boss. And he's just like, okay, I need you to do some research on, um, you know, finding this one object. Dude, I didn't know how to fucking use uh, Google or anything like that at the time. I had no fucking clue. I'm like, shit. So this is like early 2002, 
2002, roughly. Maybe mid-2002. I had no fucking clue how to use Google or whatever. So I just sat there. I was a waste of space. But what I did was, I would offer, hey, there's a prize closet. I know you guys are always complaining about it. I can help clean it. So I would help organize the prize closets for all the stations. And then what ended up happening is Tim Spence, who was the program director for uh, 950 The Fan at the time, later to become 104.3 The Fan, he noticed that I was always working. He's just like, would you, you know, I always see you working. Would you want to, you know, uh, an overnight job at The Fan doing basic radio stuff? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So that's how I got into radio. And I did as much as I could to uh, get in the gig or get in the job. It's, it, it's, I look back on it and it's like I had to do so much and I got little, but it ended up turning into a lot. I remember when I first started in, in radio and making a lot of mistakes and I was lucky enough that they were short-staffed and they couldn't fire me because it was just like, well, we can't afford to fire them because then we're going to be screwed. So thank God for that. But I also tried to learn from my mistakes, make sure I never did them again because I realized there were so many people that wanted my job. Is As unglamorous as it was to people on the outside, they're like, that's fucking awesome. Do you work over at the fan? I'm like, yeah, I fucking suck at my job. <laughs> but... I did what I had to do. And when I would fuck up, I would try to learn from it as much as I could and try not to do it again. So then they asked me, uh, can you open up a bit about your work and career? Uh, so what kind of sets me aside from everybody is me being myself. One thing that I've always tried to be is myself. I always get... I always get irritated when I see people meet uh, like celebrities or or on-air talent for the first time and they're just so busy just stroking their shaft that it's just like, dude, what the fuck? You're not even being a real person right now. I just like being myself and being honest. When I, I told you a story about the first time I met Alfred Williams and Scott Hastings, Alfred tried to make me print out a bunch of like probably like hundreds and hundreds of uh, draft profiles. And he's like, print these out. And he, he hands me a binder. And I'm like, remember thinking to myself, I can either stand up to him or I can be his bitch forever. And I remember going, nah, I'm not going to be his bitch. And I was like, you go make your own fucking copies. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have time for that. And then Hastings starts laughing. Then Alfred starts laughing. And that's how we established our relationship was we don't take shit from anybody. And that's just me being me, me treating them as equals and just be like, you're not going to walk all over me because I'm. that's not going to help anything. So I'd rather be honest with, with them. And that's what I've always done. And when I do this podcast, I try to be as honest with you guys as I possibly can. I try not to bullshit you, uh, although you know, I don't think I have. I don't believe so. I, I don't believe it. But you know what I'm saying. It's just like I try to be as honest and as genuine as possible. There's way too many fake people in the media. When you go and you sit there and you, you watch them on TV or, or listen to them on the radio, and it's like, who, what, are you, what character are you trying to be? It's one – now <clears> – <throat> Don't get me wrong. I, I do characters on the show, but it's me being silly and goofy. But if you're asking me on my opinion on something, and if I have an opinion, I'm going to give you an honest opinion. Whereas I know there's several people that will just be like, I'm going to play the bad guy and I'm going to go this angle. Okay, I'm going to say the Broncos had a bad draft. Because <laughs> everybody else is saying they had a good draft. That happens nonstop. And I fucking can't stand it. If you think that they did something great, say they did something great. Okay? Now, you can go, listen, I think they had a great draft, 
but let me play devil's advocate and tell you why they you could say that they had a bad draft. I know people that do that, and that's fine. Mike Evans does that a lot. And that way he can he can play both sides. That I respect and that I, I get. Oh man. But the you know it it's interest interesting because I I told you being myself is what kind of sets me apart from everyone else while I can observe others in similar industries too and see where they've succeeded and failed. And that's something that you should do is you should look at other industries, no matter what industry you're in, look at other industries and see how they work and see how they've people have succeeded, see how they have failed. And in, in every now and then more often than, than you might realize you're able to take some of what they do and maybe morph it a little bit and put it into your business. And you can go, okay, yeah, I can do that. I look at all the stuff I did in the radio industry. And I used to all the time just be like, and it was funny because I would bring up stuff that we used to do in, in the restaurant. And they'd be like, that's a great idea when I would bring it up into into the radio. And one of those things is like when I was in the restaurant industry and I'll, I'll, especially at Chipotle, cause Chipotle is and was, uh, you know, really good about this. And the, there would always be times where I don't remember what they would call it, but you would always take a second, walk outside and start observing things as a customer. What is the customer seeing right now? You start from the outside and you look around What's the presentation? What does everything look like? Is there anything dirty, anything broken? You walk inside. Are the people on the line friendly? People on cash, are they friendly talking to the customers? Does it look clean in there? Are there any light bulbs out? Etc. And those are those things that I took into the radio industry and be like, what are the what are, what is the customer or the listener getting out of this when they tune in? So you could stop during a show as a producer and step aside and go, okay, I'm going to step out into the hallway and I want to listen to this as a listener. What are they getting out of this? Are they, are they able to, they just jumped in their car. Is their time being wasted? So you can do that in so many different industries. Take a second. Take a step back. I say that all the time. Take a step back. And really take a look at what's going on. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. A lot more companies need to do that. And if you are a manager, whether you're the number one manager or not, start doing that. And you're going to start realizing this is benefiting us. Okay, so-and-so is, you know, working the line, but you know what? He's not very friendly right now. He's being kind of a dick. Maybe then you go inside and be like, hey, real quick. Hey, you're, you're kind of grumpy with the customers right now. Let's try to work on being a little bit happier or whatever the fuck you want to say to him. Quit being a dick. <laughs> you know, something like that. You Obviously, you want to word it in a, in a way that's not going to just drag him down. But you see what I'm saying is like you take a step back and be like, oh, shoot. We need, that. there's a light bulb burnt out. That looks kind of trashy. We need to fix that. Oh, geez, that trash can's overflowing. We need to fix that. We're out of this. We're out of that. That's what you need to do sometimes as a manager is take a step back. And that can work into multiple industries. Maybe you're doing finances, stuff like that. I don't, there, there's a lot of different ways. You work at a bank. Take a second. Step out into the lobby. What does everybody see when they walk in? Do they see some banker just playing on his phone? Well, that doesn't look very good to the customer's perspective. It doesn't. So make sure that it's just like, you, hey, dude, Todd, quit playing on your phone. <laughs> okay? So there's, there's a lot of things you can learn from other industries. You know, for the longest time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my career or for a career. I was hopping around from one restaurant to another really wasn't happy with where I was headed. It was just one of those things where I was like, I can, you know, I, I, I can do the job. I'm good enough to be, 
you know, a restaurant manager, but I was just like, I fucking hated it. I couldn't stand the customers that were always coming in trying to manipulate the system and get free shit. That pissed me off. I was tired of the customers that would come in and disrespect my employees. Couldn't stand that. Then one day my wife saw a commercial for a broadcasting school. I think it's now called Colorado Media School. So then I went to check it out. I enrolled there. And then that's where my broadcasting career started. I busted my butt, like I said, going to school, internship, working at a restaurant to pay the bills in order to keep moving in the proper direction. I don't know how I did it. In, in all honesty, my wife and I look back on that. I was working like 30 hours at like my job. And then there was times where I was working like 40 hours in, for the internship plus going to school. I'm like, how the fuck did we do this? She's like, you didn't sleep very much. So I'm like, holy crap. So I busted my butt doing all that stuff. It, Like I said, if you want to achieve success, it's not an easy rat, a, a road. You're going to have to grind. I remember teaching at the media school once, and some guys were just like, you know, thought that they were going to make six figures on the, on the way out. And I'm like, dude, you, no, it's, it's possible, but it's not very likely. You're most likely going to have to bust your butt. But in whatever industry, whatever your end goal is, it's not just going to fucking happen. You have to make it happen. You got to build the foundation to whatever it is and in order to achieve it. Like, you can't just jump to the top of the building when you realize there is no foundation underneath it. It's not just going to be floating up there. There is a lot of hard work and dedication that is propping everything up. So, expect to grind. You have to expect to grind. Oh, man. I, you know, I just really tried to put my... When I started working at the fan, too, I just really tried to put myself in positions to learn as much as I could, not just about pushing buttons, because when I started, that's what all I was doing was I was a board op, and I was pushing buttons, and I was, you know, running the weekend. I, my, I think my first shift was I was doing midnight to 6 a.m. on the weekends, and... So I would just make sure the stations wouldn't go off the air. If they did, I'd have to put them back on. I would, you know, dub in commercials, a bunch of like hundreds of commercials into the system, all that stuff. So it was like I was always doing shit, but I always tried to learn more and more. Uh, essentially, what I was trying to do is like I'd pick the brain of the on-air talent and the program directors, which are the bosses of the radio station, and be like, in order to realize how segments should be structured and all that stuff. Like, I, I need to know what makes a successful segment. And that's what I would do. I would talk to the engineers. How do you fix equipment? How, you know, all this stuff. I Eventually, I would be able to take all that information, and that's what helped me do what I'm doing on the podcast, I didn't have anybody come out here and hook up this equipment. I did this all on my own. Now, this board and the, this board was given to me, donated by my good friend Gary Nakashima and Brad Hart. They gave this to me because it was just going to be thrown out, corporate waste. And then this microphone and the boom it's on, I bought from Tom Manugian, otherwise known as uh, Lou from Littleton. And I bought this from him for like a hundred bucks. So, but I put all this together, everything that I've learned from working in the radio industry for almost 20 years has really been, I'm slowly building this foundation of how I'm going to do things on my own and, and do the, the Huff Uncensored podcast. By the way, when I, when I worked at the fan, my biggest goal, and you should, whatever industry you're in, Think about this for a second. Your goal should always be the hardest person in the building to fire. That's really what it should be. When they look down the list, when they're trying to make budget cuts, 
You're like, they get to your name and be like, we can't fire them. Why? Because that's just going to cause a lot of problems. Because this person does this, 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 and this. Okay, whereas this person does this. Okay, we can get rid of that person. That's what you have to do if you want to have longevity in your company. I was at the same company for over 18 years. That's a key to success. So all these things I was learning because one, I was fearful of losing my job, but it was actually, start, I was really starting to enjoy learning all these things. Also, while I was doing this, I was creating a strong foundation to what I needed to become a solid business owner, which I'm doing now. And things are just moving upward. And I love it. Achieving success in business comes from the knowledge of how everything inside and outside of it is supposed to function. Write that down. I got a lot of little things that you need to write down. So again, it's a nonstop grind to do whatever you're wanting to do. And what I'm doing, it's nonstop. I'm living, breathing the podcast. My wife is constantly sending me random things. You need to check this out, read this. This is kind of funny. Maybe you talk about this. I have other people, whether it's you listeners, sending me things to dehuffoncensor.gmail.com. Sometimes you guys send me stuff, which is really cool. I have other people. I have former coworkers send me stuff. Be like, dude, you need to check this out. This is awesome. It's it's great. It's great that that everybody's in on it with me. And, and you're standing shoulder to shoulder with me. And that's what you need to do in order to find success. And that's kind of what this is all stemming into is just like whoever's around you, it's very important to have great people around you because it's really hard to do anything you want in business by yourself. You have to have a great team around you. It's funny too, because I think about when I first started the podcast, I had to teach myself how to build a company logo I had to, you know, continue to develop my video editing skills for the ever-evolving social media uh, chaos that's out there. So you can't be too good to learn. Nothing is beneath you. You have to continue to learn. And that's what I try to do on a daily basis is like, shit, I need to learn how to do this. I look, I was joking earlier about the TikTok you know, learning how to do TikToks. And my wife's just like, you need to step up your TikTok game because there's a bunch of people out there that don't have as much experience as I do that are kicking my ass when it comes to TikTok. And they're doing fun things. So I need to do better at that. And I have to accept that. That is just, there's times where it's just, you have to admit that, you know, you're not perfect. And that's what I've been doing is to like, I, I am, I, as hard of a pill as that is to swallow, sometimes you just got to swallow it and realize I can be better. Whatever it is, I can be better. I'm kind of rambling on this, but you know, I'm just kind of going through a lot of what they were asking me. And by the way, that was really hard not to do. It's just like, I'm like rambling, rambling, rambling. And I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> hope this makes sense. And, and by the way, guys, I still make mistakes on things. I always will make mistakes. That just happens. Especially when you're doing a lot on your own. But fuck, man, I was, I did, I posted something the other day and I'm like, God damn it, I forgot to put A. If I write something on social media or I posted an episode and I'm like, I forgot A. It doesn't make sense if I forget the letter A in there. Made no sense. But you got to learn from those. Sometimes you got to slow yourself down and go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, let's make sure we do this right. You got to learn you got to learn from your mistakes. You need to be fearful of your mistakes, but you still need to respect your mistakes in order to be successful. I can't achieve success without all my failures, and I have a lot of them, and I'm sure you do too. Cuz that failure is what helps build a solid foundation for my podcast, the Dehuff Uncensored podcast. Okay, I've failed a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. Those go running through my mind constantly. And I'm sure they do too. They, a lot of your failures go running through your head too. Be like, I still can't believe I did that. You know, I, I think about a lot of stupid shit I've done. 
fuck, I, I can't believe I did that. It's dumb. But I know, okay, you can't ever do that again. And you have to remind yourself, don't let it wear you down. But just remember, just like kind of grin about it. Be like, I fucked that one up. <laughs> can't believe I did it. But here's, here's where it gets kind of fun. They said, if you had a friend visiting you, what are some of the local spots that you would like to show them around to? So, you know, they kind of ended this, uh, this interview a little bit fun. And it, it will give you kind of an insight of, like I said, I've been in Colorado 99.9% of my life. So I said, I'm one of the least exciting people in the state of Colorado. I'm very, very boring. Ask my wife. She's like, God, if it was up to you, you'd just sit at home all day sleeping. Like, yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds exciting. So I'd say, I said, you would have to take somebody to a Nuggets or Avalanche game at Ball Arena if you're able to go to a Rockies game at Coors Field, uh, if you go to a Rockies game before and after, go to Blake Street Tavern at in you know downtown Denver, 23rd and Blake. <laughs> Get the Western barbecue burger. It's delicious. Also a great place to go. Lazy Dog. There's a, a Lazy Dog in Westminster. Listen, these are all mostly food. Go to Lazy Dog in Westminster. Amazing food but you got to try their smoked maple bacon old-fashioned it's fucking awesome awesome even if you don't like old fashions make sure you go in there and order a smoked maple bacon old-fashioned okay make sure you do that it'll give you happy thoughts for days it's delicious also another food place if you go up in the mountains there's a place called last chance pizza in Dillon, Colorado, they got amazing pizza, great cold beer, great atmosphere. So it's just really just a great little hidden gem in the mountains. I love it. Every time that we go up in that area, we go to Last Chance Pizza. It's really good. You're, you're eating great food. You're drinking great beer. And then you're in the mountains. It's just such a win-win all around. And so... It, it's just it, definitely you got to check that out again. Last chance pizza. So, but then obviously, if you're you know showing people around in Colorado, it's their first time here. You got to take them on a hike. Even as simple as going up to like Dinosaur Ridge in Morrison, that's a really easy hike, and, and it's just kind of a neat thing to see all those footprints from so many millions of years ago. But you got to remember they're from out of state so most likely they can't do much you don't want to take them too far and have them hike too hard because the altitude sickness is a real deal and they're not going to be able to handle the altitude so those are some of my recommendations now they they wrapped this interview up with me and they said shout out to others that you feel deserve additional recognition and exposure who would you like to shout out i said i would give a giant shout out to so many people if I could. And the list is is long. My father-in-law, Tim, who, you know, really pushed me to stay in the game. He's like, you can't stop. Don't let them forget you. My brother, of course, Chris, just an extremely hard worker, never giving up and always looking ahead to see how he can better his business and the people around you. Obviously, looking at radio, I got Mike Evans, Mark Schlereth, Sandy Clough, Scott Hastings, Alfred Williams, and of course, Nate Lundy. Nate Lundy being the guy that put his arms around me and, and embraced the fact that he's like, I believe in this podcast and I believe in you, Scott. And I can't say enough great things about Nate Lundy and, and everybody over at Mile High Sports. They're just amazing people. Uh, but the list could go on and on. But ultimately, if I were to single out one person in my life, and that benefited me and helped develop me and push me in the right direction for creativity and, and staying with the radio industry and trying to be entertaining is my wife, Brandy. She's nonstop from the get-go. She's the one that pushed me to get into the radio business. She's like, you're creative. I mean, you're not being able to be creative in the restaurant industry. There's something there. She's the one that pushed me in the right direction. 
So if you guys are a fan of DeHuff Uncensored, if you're a fan of of all these things that I do, Cowboy DeHuff, Connery DeHuff, you can thank her or blame her. Either way, that's who I credit everything to because she's been by my side. She's an amazing person, an amazing wife. All you know, nobody pushes me harder towards my goals. She helps guide me in the right directions. She's constantly saying, okay, what's your next goal? What do you what else are you gonna do? She gives me feedback constantly, whether I like it or not. You know? And that's what you need in your life. You don't need a yes man or a yes woman. And she is not that. If she likes something, she'll tell me. If she dislikes something, she will tell me. And that's what you need. I trust her judgments. She trusts mine. She gives, like I said, amazing feedback on my projects, whatever I'm doing. She is a very important piece for me to achieve success and for me to continue to grow and to continue to try to be entertaining and all that stuff. So my path to success would be much more difficult and probably not as successful and definitely not as fulfilling without her by my side. So I do appreciate my wife for doing everything that she has done for me. So hopefully, hopefully this wasn't too much of a ramble for you guys, but it, it this will be uh, in written form. So I suggest you go at least click on it. Anytime you see my name, just click on it, blah, 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 just so I get the clicks. <laughs> you don't have to read it. You don't have to. But you know what? I think really when you sum this up, it's just like it doesn't matter how painful things are in the beginning or at the moment. It's just those can actually end up developing into some very positive things. I look at the death of my father and how my brother had to kind of step in as a, a strong male figure, whether he wanted to really be it or not. I mean... That, that was an important thing. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from all the people I, I worked with uh, in the restaurant, in the grocery business. But, you know, it, it's funny because one of the things that I'm known for is my voices, and it started based on tragedy. And it's like, you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to, you know, spark creativity. And that's what it was, as tragic as it was. So really, to be honest, that's where it all began. Thank you guys so much for popping on the DeHuff Uncensored podcast. Truly appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Also, I'm on YouTube. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button on YouTube after you search DeHuff Uncensored. It's DeHuff Uncensored. Thank you guys so much. I really want to take a second and say thank you to Blake Street Tavern. Go check them out at 23rd and Blake in downtown Denver. Also, Total Beverage, go to TotalBev.com and see what they can do for you as we head into the party time of the year as we got spring and summer activities going on. It's DeHuff Uncensored. Let's keep moving forward. Thank you guys so much for listening. Truly appreciate you. I'll talk to you next time.